Hey everybody, welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Oh my goodness, you ready to laugh a little bit? Is it okay to laugh in the house of the Lord? Amen. Always, always. Yeah, we're going to have a little fun this series. Um, Amoritan. So yeah, we're going to have a little bit of fun on uh, these next three weeks. Good medicine. How many of you threw, you, realize, you just realized, oh, I threw that card away. I thought it was, I thought it was trash mail, you know, <laughs> when it came to my house. Yeah. Uh, they did such a good job with that, our staff. We're going to have some fun. So welcome you who are in the house. Welcome you who are online, you who are uh, worshiping with us at a later time. We're grad, we're Together. We're one church together, serving the Lord on this mission, and the mission continues. We're going to go into the series called Good Medicine, and uh, I want to talk about love and joy and peace. So today we're talking about love. I encourage you to open your Bibles then to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to read the whole chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. And as we open the scriptures, let's open our hearts in prayer. Jesus, how could we... Um, How could we even close our hearts towards you when you are so good to us, you're so full of love, and you've come to bring us life? So we pray that you would open our hearts, open our minds, open your word to us, pour your word into us that we can know a little bit more today about what it means to love. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels... But do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall fully No, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. This is God's word. We're grateful, amen? We're grateful. So we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun. We're going to laugh. Anybody up for a laugh? Amoritans. What is that? Amor, in Latin, it means, guess? Love. Love. Bunch of Latin scholars in the room. Amor means love. 
Itans means nothing. I made it up. I made it up. We thought we'd just have some fun, so we made up three names of, of uh, love, joy, and peace, these uh, three drugs. Did you know that drug companies are making so many drugs, they're actually running out of syllables to form new names for new drugs? And so uh, we thought we'd throw three out there, you know, just a little help, and uh, love, joy, and peace, and we're going to talk about Amoritans. We've all seen these ads of these new drugs that come out, think, oh, wow, that sounds great. That's really going to help, right? It's got this funny name, like, oh, that's a funny name. What does that mean? And then they start to list all the side effects, right? And you think, what was that last one? I don't want that to happen to me, right? Uh, so we're going to look at, uh, at three, three drugs, and I'm going to tell you the benefits outweigh the side effects, and your prescription is already covered. All right. So that's the series. We're going to laugh a little bit. Laughter is good medicine. But it's not a series on laughter. This is a short little series on the, on the first three fruit of the Holy Spirit. The, Holy, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. It's Galatians 5, 23. I have a friend who... Uh, who grew up in Illinois, and he would drive up, drive up to many, Minnesota to visit his grandparents at Christmas time. And his grandparents had this tradition. Uh, they would drive up from Illinois, and you know it's freezing cold winter. They're all excited to run into Grandma and Grandpa's house for Christmas, right? But the grandparents had a tradition. With all their grandchildren, they made them stop on the front step, and they could not enter the house until they recited the nine fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so my friend remembers like getting out, you know, you've been in the car for hours, you get running up to grandma and this, <clears throat> and then there he is, you know, trying to remember in his t-shirt, he's got no jacket on, the nine fruit of the spirit, oh, love, joy. <laughs> so let's get serious about this. We can memorize this. I don't want you stuck in the same situation. So bring that, bring that passage back up. We can memorize this church, the nine fruit of the spirit. Say it with me, love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Nine fruit of the Spirit. Nine things that the Holy Spirit starts to grow in us when we believe in Jesus, when we belong to Jesus. Nine things that the Spirit of God starts to pour into our lives and develop like fruit, like fruit that sort of emerges out on the ends of the branches, that the Holy Spirit starts to build up in us the minute that we believe in Jesus. And these are not special gifts for special people. These are not like other spiritual gifts that we read about in the Bible, particular gifts for particular individuals. No, this fruit, this is something that begins to happen in the life of every single believer, the nine fruit of the Spirit. And we want to watch for it and wait for it. We want to see it emerge. So we're not going to look at all nine. We're just going to look at the first three, love, joy, peace. These are the good medicine that we need. Now, as I've said, this is, the Bible calls this fruit. It's fruit. Why does it use that picture? This is not in pill form. I can't get you the pills. I wish I could, you know? I mean, I think we could probably call those balance of nature people. You know what I'm talking about? Like they get 18 fruits and vegetables, a whole daily supply, into one pill this big. And maybe they could make it for us. We could sell that off. We pay off the birthday project in no time flat. But it's not in a pill form. It's a fruit. 
And what's a fruit? A fruit is something that emerges. A fruit is something that, that emerges over time. It's something that grows in us as we stay attached to Jesus Christ. The, uh, the always quotable Eugene Peterson, he puts it this way. Fruit is the result of a long, organic, and living process. The process is complex and intricate. Fruits are not something made, manufactured, or engineered. They're not the product of the drawing board. They're not the invention of a genius. They're not the product of a sophisticated technology. They're the results of the life of faith created by God. What happens when we live God's way? Quite without any effort on our part, things begin to appear in our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. It's fruit, you see, that grows out on the edges of our branches, the edges of our vines as we stay rooted in Christ. And we kind of watch for it to emerge and then it emerges, this beautiful, heavy, colorful fruit that wasn't there before. So we're going to look at the first three, love, love. How God grows us in love. He grows us in affection for others. He grows us in love for him. And this love that wasn't there before, suddenly it's there and it's heavy and it's beautiful. Joy, exuberance for life, a kind of vitality about your life. Anybody catch the sunrise this morning? Anybody see it? If you didn't enjoy that, there's something wrong, right? What a beauty that God creates in our lives. We see it differently. Joy, peace, a serenity, a calm, a rootedness, a a kind of a place to stand, a, a fearlessness in this world. Is anybody ready for, for peace in your life right now? And it's a peace that isn't, isn't rooted in this world. It's, it's rooted in heaven. Love and joy and peace, these are the fruit that we're gonna look for. But it starts with love. Amoritans. Amor, the benefits outweigh the side effects and your prescription costs are covered. Woo! So that's, that's supposed to be funny, but... You've heard it before, and Mary's a lot funnier than I am, so, you know, it's hard to be funny after you watch those commercials. You're going to get one for each one of the three, and they're, they're all funny. Love. Love. What is love? How do we watch for it emerge? If we want to watch this emerge, what are we watching for? Well, let's look at, at uh, 1 Corinthians 13. It's a love chapter. It's a famous passage, one of the most famous passages about love that there is in the Bible, one of the most famous pastors that exists. A lot of people have this read at their wedding. How many of you had this passage read at your wedding? Hand in the air, hand in the air. I love to see when the, the wife's hand is in the air. <laughs> and the husband's hand is like, <laughs> you're supposed to know, man. You're supposed to remember, okay? So if, that hand go, if your wife's hand goes up, your hand goes up, Okay. 1 Corinthians 13. We read it at weddings. Why? Because it's this beautiful, balanced, poetic piece of literature. It's one of the most beautiful pieces of Greek literature we've got. Really, it is. So we read it in, in these wedding moments, but it's not a love poem, 1 Corinthians 13. You know what it is? It's not a love poem. It's a challenge to the church. It's a challenge to believers. It's a sincere challenge to change the way we act, change the way we're living our lives. So, 1 Corinthians 13, it's a gift to us. 
And in context, Paul has written this toward the end of a letter that he's written to a young church in Corinth. And this church in Corinth has just been planted, still first-generation church, and it's got some good things, it's got some bad things. I mean, for the good side, here's this church that's growing, that's emerging, that people are meeting Jesus, they're being saved, their lives are being changed and transformed. And this gospel ministry is growing right in the middle of what is really a, a seedy and sordid kind of urban environment, ancient Corinth. That's good. On the bad side, on the negative side, this church had a particular gift for finding things to fight about. I mean, stuff that nobody else would fight about. But they would decide, let's fight about that inside the church. Like, you got baptized by so-and-so. Well, I got baptized by so-and-so. So I'm more important than you are. Or you have this spiritual gift. Well, I have this spiritual gift. So let's fight about our spiritual gifts. Can you imagine that? And they would fight about these things. they get at each other about them, trying to make themselves more important than one another. And so Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, finally toward the end of this chapter, he says, hey, look, everybody, look. Let's lift up love. Let's look at love. Because love, he says, surpasses all these things that you're fighting about. Let's look at love. Because love is nothing to use to make yourself out to be more important than the person in front of you. Let's lift up love. It's actually genius, right? Because if Paul, if he starts a competition for love in the church, that's going to work out okay, right? Let's look at love. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have what? Love. I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. If I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am, what are we, church? Nothing. If I don't have love, I'm just up here making noise. If we don't have love, it doesn't matter what else is happening. You got nothing without love. Using my spiritual gifts to set myself up against others, that's, that's nothing. There's nothing in that. If I give more than other people, if I suffer more for my faith, if I sacrifice a lot more, you know, every time people say, oh, I, I give a lot more than so-and-so. I do a lot more than this person. I sacrifice more for Jesus than that person. I mean, I, I really, I'm more important than that person. There's nothing in that. Look at verse three. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may, that I may do what? Oh, that I may boast. Congratulations, Right? That I'm boasting, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. I gain nothing. Love. So then what is the character of love? Well, it starts, look at this at verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. What am I looking for when I'm trying to look for the fruit of love to grow in my life? Love, it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not, it's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love. You just got to stop and just say, aren't you grateful that there is such a thing in the world? 
when I first learned this passage, I remember being in a, a Bible study as a teenager, and the Bible study leader um, had an exercise for us, a good exercise, I think. And he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read this passage again. And everywhere it says love, insert your own name. And this is a picture of the Christian life. I said, oh, okay, okay. So he started to go through it. I inserted my own name. Tim is patient. <laughs> Tim is kind. Tim does not envy. Tim does not boast. Tim is not proud. Tim does not dishonor. Tim is not self-seeking. Can I stop there? Should we just stop there? Ah, I mean, what a challenge. What a picture. And that's the Christian life. I hope you're inserting your own name in there. You know? That's the challenge. I remember driving home from that Bible study. I had to, I had to pull over on the side of the road. I was crying so hard. Like, what? How could I ever be that? How could I ever grow into that? How could I ever be those things? And I know that's the Christian life. How could I ever grow that? How could I ever not be those other things that, you're, that love isn't? How can I change that much? Friends, that's what God is doing in your life. If you believe in Jesus Christ, he is pouring that into your life. He's growing that in you. That kind of love, that kind of character, that kind of, of, of patient, kind, selfless, that kind of thing is being born in your life as the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Thank God. We're growing. And it's not immediate. We're growing to be women of Christian love, men of Christian love. Love. Love is not weak, Paul says. Love is powerful. You think it's weak. It's not weak. It's strong. In fact, it endures forever. Paul points out that love goes on forever. It's eternal. It endures. Look at verse 8. Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. But love never fails. Listen, in Greek thinking, whatever endures is more valuable. The longer something lasts, the more valuable it is. And the best things are the eternal things that go on forever. So Paul points out here that love goes on forever. It never comes to a stop point. It never comes to an end. It goes on. It endures. It perseveres. Love never ends. Prophecies, he say, they come to a finish point. What do you mean? There's a lot of ways to think about prophecy as Christians. Paul is primarily here talking about predictive prophecy. So predictive prophecy says there's something that's coming, there's something that's going to happen in the future. Well, you've got that prophecy and that says something's going to happen. And then the thing happens. Well, what's that prophecy now? It's done. It's finished. It's work. And then he talks about tongues. What is Paul talking about? He's talking about a, a spiritual utterance of angelic or heavenly language. That kind of a, and some people know more about this, have experienced more about this than others. But what Paul's point is, is this. He says, even when you do that, when you have these sorts of spiritual experiences, this is partial knowledge, and there's a complete knowledge to come. And once the partial knowledge is, is replaced by the complete knowledge, the partial knowledge is over. It's come to a finish point. That's how all knowledge works. I know a little bit, and I know partially, and then eventually I'm going to know it all. 
And it's just like when you're staring at a mirror and you can only see a fog in there because a mirror in his day was just a polished piece of brass and you can only see a little fog in there and someday you're going to see face to face. And then that partial knowledge, it's done. It's finished. It's over. For we know in part, verse 9, we prophesy in part, but when the completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, that was all done, you see. That's all over. I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only in reflection in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Love is different from these other things, you see. Love never ends. It has a way of just going on and on and on. One of the gifts of being in, in this church is to run around with a lot of people who can say that they've been married for 50 years or more. In fact, let me just ask. Uh, hint, husbands, this is a way to redeem yourself. Okay, uh, let me just ask. You've been married 50 years or more to your spouse. Anybody in the room who can say that? Wow, in the back. God bless you. In the front. Graduates. 50 years more. Do you think that's easy? You think that's easy? But look at that. There's a witness to God's love that endures. It doesn't just grow brittle and stale. Not if you're doing it right. Not if you're using Jesus to, to lead you in love. It has layers that just reveal themselves. It grows deeper. It grows richer. It grows fuller. As time goes on, love becomes more than it was in the first instance. It just grows. It just grows. And that's how it is in your love with Jesus. One church father described uh, love as falling into an infinite loop of desire for God's beauty. An infinite loop of desire for God's beauty. Like staring into a spring where water is bubbling up. Gregory of Nyssa is his name. This is what he said. He said, as you, as you came near the spring, you would marvel, seeing that the water was endless as it constantly gushed up and poured forth. Yet you could never say that you had seen all the water. How could you see what was still hidden in the bosom of the earth? Hence, no matter how long you might stay at the spring, you would always be beginning to see water. And the water never stops flowing. And it always beginning to bubble up. It is the same, he said, with one who fixes his gaze on the infinite beauty of God. It is constantly being discovered anew. And it is always seen as something new and strange in comparison with what the mind has already understood. And as God continues to reveal himself, man continues to wonder and he never exhausts his desire to see more since what he's waiting for is always more magnificent, more divine than all that he has already seen. Do you get that picture? That's profound. The love, it, it, it doesn't get satisfied. It gets hungrier. It gets thirstier. And it wants to go deeper. When you know Jesus, you love Jesus. And what you love, when you love Jesus, you want to know more of Jesus. And as you know more of Jesus, that causes you to love him more, which causes you to want to know more about him. And on you go in this ever-deepening relationship. And it never is satisfied. It always continues. Love never ends. It goes on and on and on. 
And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I thought somebody said Amoritans, but <laughs> love, love. And why is it greatest than these three, faith, hope, and love? In verse 13, why is it better? Why? Because faith is believing in something unseen. Maybe we can bring that passage up. Faith is believing in something unseen. So if I believe in something unseen, well, once, once what's unseen is seen, well, then the faith is done. And so love is different from that. What about hope? Well, hope is confidence in the coming of what has been promised. So I've got confidence that something is coming that's been promised. Well, once it's come, once the thing that is coming has come, then what's hope? Hope's done. Love's not like that. Love continues. It carries on and on and on. And the more you love, the more you want to love. And the more you grow in love, the more changed you are as you peer into this, this divine beauty that you contemplate. As looking into it, your heart goes towards it. It changes you. It shapes you after its own likeness. You become more like the likeness of that beauty that you're contemplating, the beauty of an infinite God. And that changes the way that you start to look at your life and the world. You think, there's things that I used to love, that I used to love, and I, don't, I can't possibly love that as much as I love God. And there's people that I used to not love. There's people in my life that I used to not love. But I look on them and I feel the love of God in me for them. And everything starts to change. And my life goes deeper and deeper in a relationship with God in an ever-deepening life of love. 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 It's the first fruit of the Spirit. It's a pretty good deal, isn't it? We should pray for that. We should want more of that. We should long for that and watch for it to grow out on the ends of our branches. Some people say, I don't want to become a Christian because I'm worried if I become a Christian, it's going to make me less loving. Christians seem mean. You're upside down. You're upside down. Either by lack of knowledge or more likely by the act of some Christian who failed you, who failed you at this. Let me tell you the truth. The Christian life is a life of love. Love is at the very core of the Christian life. It's the very core of what we are, of who we are, of what God is making us to be. And you can't get over it. You can't get around that. That is, that is what the Christian life is about. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to love more. If you're going to become a Christ follower, you're going to learn to love God more than you did before. And you're going to learn to love neighbor more than you did for before because love is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Love. Love. Did you ever hear about the church that forgot to love? You know, it was, it was killing it at gathering people for worship. It, it was awesome at teaching and programs. It, it was the greatest at charity. Gave away more frozen turkeys than any church in the history of frozy, frozen turkey distribution. You know? And P.S., we need a lot of frozen turkeys. We're trying to help a couple of ministries with a bunch of frozen turkeys. The church that forgot to love it could do all that, but it didn't have love. It's nothing. It's nothing. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, 
I'm just noise. I'm just noise. Love, it comes from God and it fills the church and it overflows to the world. A church that forgot to love, that's not a church. So how do we cultivate this fruit? How do we grow this fruit? How do we make room for it? I can't get you a prescription. I can't. But I can introduce you to Jesus. Because when you hang on to him, when you abide in him, when you we come to him to worship with passion, when you abide in his word and sacraments, when we watch and pray, well, we can see that this love, this fruit, it starts to emerge. Yesterday morning it wasn't there, but then I looked out on the orchard and there it hangs. And we wait for it, we watch for it, we long for it. But you know what else, friends? We root around in that soil and get the rocks out and get the weeds out of the way and make room for God to grow love. Jonathan Edwards preaching on the same passage. He said, a Christian should at all times keep a strong guard against everything that tends to overthrow or corrupt or undermine a spirit of love. For love is the sum of Christianity. Love. Amoritans. Your prescription costs are covered. Let's pray for more of it. Jesus, we thank you that you love us so much. We thank you for your love that we can feel right now. And as we joke and as we lift our heads and laugh about the prescription costs, Lord, we know the costs are covered. And we know cost was high that you gave your very body your very blood on the cross an atoning sacrifice for our sins so that we would not be separated from you upside down darkened and confused but that we could feel your love that we could feel your love and so Jesus I pray for your love to pour out in this church in each of our lives in each of our hearts in such a way, Lord, that we feel, we feel our lives being filled up and we feel the fruit beginning to hang heavy on the outer edges of our lives, out on the vines, out on the branches, the fruit of love, that it would emerge and grow heavy and beautiful and colorful and true. That it would be a gift for all those around us to the glory of Jesus' name. In his name we pray, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprescos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.